Hello and thank you for tuning in to the Flatiron Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. This show is brought to you by Flatiron's Tuning, your source for any aftermarket or OEM Subaru parts. Be sure to check out our store at flatironstuning.com and stay tuned with Flatiron's Tuning. Alright, man, it's a, it's a cold and foggy morning. Last. First I called last. <laughs> Alright, well welcome back. It is a cold and foggy morning here. We're in the shop. Got Dylan and Tasso with us. And for this episode of the podcast, the, the first thing we want to talk about, or that I want to talk about, is the, this new WRXTR. There's been a lot of a lot of conversation about it since it was revealed. Um, to kind of less than stellar initial uh, fanfare, if you will. So... Let's start off just what is what is your guys' initial impressions of this car? Uh, yeah, so I, I mean overall, I'd say you know it was a decent shot. It fell maybe a little bit short of a lot of people's expectations. I think there is a lot to be said that's good about it as far as you know that chassis of 2022 plus cars. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of cool parts that they're adding in that now hopefully will just be able to be bolted up on any of these older, you know, 2022 plus cars. Sure. So it does provide some opportunity for those people to have just like a clear upgrade path straight from Subaru if they want to, you know, make their car handle a little better, have better brakes. Um, so that's exciting to me because, you know, we're going to be able to get all those parts in. We can try them out, hopefully, on our new shop car and, you know, get a feel for, you know, how all those things actually work. Right. Um, what they've changed. But, yeah, I think a lot of people were really hoping for a bigger move towards an STI. Um, I, I mean, Tasso and I were talking earlier about how it's kind of like an STI light, but... You know, they left some things to be desired by not changing anything really with the drivetrain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Toss just off the cuff. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm of two minds. Um, for a lot of the stuff that Dylan was just saying, it's at least it's something. It's movement. Right, right. Um, and what I think is a pretty stagnant market right now. Um, mm-hmm. So that's cool. Um, it's nice that they're taking all this part stuff off the you know off the shelf and putting it on a car at least and selling it um so that's cool um but also it doesn't really feel like a tr to me at all um, right it's kind of the opposite of a tr and that's where we were talking and we came yep. up with sti light um because it's a tr is a stripped down version of a wrx not a parts right. added version of a wrx um so tr is supposed to mean tune ready and the other time super used this name was in 2006 2007 and so mm-hmm. that was at the time the, the lightest and the least expensive wrx mm-hmm. literally tuner ready like yeah. if you want to buy one of these cars and play with it that would be the car yeah. you could instead buy. of putting okay. nicer parts on a wrx they put right. cheaper or less parts on a wrx because you're just going to take them off anyways right so here's your slate here's your, here's your blank slate to work with to make your cool car we tried to save you some of the hassle right yeah yep. save you some of the cost and save you some of the weight and instead it's yeah sorry about not having sti would you still give us money for this yeah it, it's really interesting all right so i'm i think everybody has this car completely wrong okay and, it, and it's for it's actually for exactly the reason that you just mentioned everybody is honing in on the name TR and they're complaining, comparing it to the previous TR. I feel like this was like a name grab, like they just they didn't want to just call it a WRX something, and they just grabbed a name that they had in their in their pocket and threw it on this car. I don't think there's any relationship sure. yeah. between this car and and the original TR. And and a lot of the there's been a lot of focus in that way. I think the most significant thing about this TR is actually what they didn't call it, which is they did not call it a TS, a tuned by STI. Mm-hmm. What's super interesting is like the BRZ, the up version of the BRZ, that is the BRZ TS. That car is tuned by STI, but this one is not. On top of that, the thing that's really interesting is exactly what you said, is that they grabbed a lot of the stuff off the shelf for the STI and they just put it on this car. Mm-hmm. I did not expect, especially with the Brembos, I did not expect them to grab the STI Brembos from 
one, two years ago and put them right on the WRX. The WRX, prior to this point, has always been like one rung below what the STI is. The, the, WRX, the previous WRX had a Brembo option, but it was the Brembos that then the SA graduated from, the 328 and 316 millimeter kit, that the SA graduated from up to the... Um, the six pots. The, when, it, when it went to the six pots. So it was, it was like, it was kind of like the hand-me-downs from the STI. Right. And in this case, they put basically just the STI stuff on the WRX and the, the Recaro seats and everything. It's super nice. If they would have put the STI transmission in this car, it, I mean, at that point, short of possibly tweaking the power, it would basically be an STI. Yeah, so what, this is something I haven't been clear on, what engine package does it have, what turbo does it have, compared to the WRX? Same exactly thing? the same. Okay. Hmm. And, and what, I, what I wonder is if that's why they didn't put the transmission into it. Yeah. If, if, because Subaru has always kept the STI badge and the STI name as something that they wanted to be, like, exclusive specific to a chassis um and and they wanted it to be different like when they when they came out with the sti over here it was it was completely different than the wrx and all of the things that made it completely different from the wrx or, or largely a lot of them you could not get and put into the wrx they, they didn't want it they didn't want super didn't want to make it easy for you to get the things that were special on the sti and put them in the wrx this is a thing when I got into Subarus, I wasn't clear on. I thought to myself, oh, I'll just, after wanting an Evo and not being able to find one of those, yeah. oh, I'll just get a WRX because it's essentially uh, STI right. minus a half liter and minus a gear. Right. Same, 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 same. Right. But super not same, same. I have come to learn over the years. Um, and so what I, so what I wonder, my wonder is, is that because they didn't call it a TS, and obviously they, I mean, they're using the name for the BRZ, they've done it. Previously, they're doing it again, and that is what that means, that that name, the TS, means is that Super Technic International does, like, have a hand in what the changes are in the setup of the car. So that tells me, one, that's probably not what happened in this case, but two, it leaves the door open for them to then hand Super Technic International a WRX, and then maybe 25 or 20, in 2025, 2026, come out with a TS version. Or the other thought that I wonder is, do they, are they kind of something in the back of their minds, leaving the door open to come out with an STI version of this car? STI Solterra. Well, they're doing that. They're doing that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> um, but like, it, I wonder, did they want to hold back on the drivetrain? Yeah. Because, hey, you know, there, there's so much demand. If if this TR doesn't sell the way that we want it to sell or, or hit the mark that we want it to hit, maybe, I mean, literally all they'd have to do is put in the STI drivetrain and, and maybe a wing on the back, which apparently, that's this other weird thing, is apparently in, I think, Australia, there is an option for an STI wing on this WRXTR hmm. because in these other markets, there's a precedent set for non-STIs having the STI wing, but because that precedent is not set in the U.S., yeah. they're not giving us the wing. It gives me a headache, the whole thing. It does. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's, well, and, and the other thing is, like, really, the almost like the drivetrain is what, in large part, defines what an STI is or what makes it an STI. Sure. I, it'd probably be a little tweak in power and then the drivetrain. Yeah. Because I, I could, I could also guess that Subaru is sitting there thinking, well, we're not, the, the drivetrain that we have in the car has been fine with the previous power level. We're not we're not tinkering with the engine package or the power level. So there's no need to to upgrade the drivetrain. So maybe that's maybe that's the, the definition in their mind of what constitutes an STI or requires it to be called an STI. It's like that little bump in power and then the drivetrain that just brings with it that extra capability. Yeah. I can't help but wonder though on the more negative side of this coin, is this Subaru's Evo 10? Could be. I mean, it, it, it truly could be. The, the price point is the weirdest part of this. So so Subaru, Subaru has now said, I believe, I believe I have this right, that this is now gonna be the top trim level of the WRX. 
So prior to this, it was the WRXGT, which is has largely all the same interior stuff that the WRXTR has. It's got the Recaros and all that jazz. Only comes which the WRXGT only comes with the CVT, and it has the crazy adaptive suspension, the cool cool adaptive suspension. Um, and that that starts at forty four thousand dollars. So when that one was announced, the weird part there was so you have a base WRX which is thirty two. Now there's this top trim level of a WRX, which is 44, which is $12,000 more, which is already kind of in the ballpark, if not slightly more of the difference of what the previous WRX and STA was. And now this, this WRX-TR is supposed to slate even above that. Hmm. And I think Subaru has to decide if they want to sell a bunch of cars or not. <laughs> because, you know, the, the, the estimates that I'm seeing with this WRX-TR is that it's the guesses are it's going to be somewhere between forty-five and forty-eight thousand dollars. At forty-five, it's just a skosh more than the GT. I mean, it's they they probably have a sense of whatever the market the GT has and and who's willing to who who sees value in a WRX to pay forty-four thousand dollars for or so. Is the T is this TR going to be about in that same ballpark? And I think if they go too much higher, like at forty-eight. Gosh, I mean, think about all the cars that all of a sudden now this WRX is... At the price point that the TR yeah. is probably going to be at, yeah, it's kind of putting itself into a different category of cars that it's, yeah. like, fighting yeah. with now. I mean... But everything's uh, marched up. Right, and the Crosstrek is 37000 now. Yeah. And the Crosstrek yeah. is one of the cheapest cars you can get. Or the cheapest in Subaru's lineup, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, the, we were looking at the Crosstrek Wilderness, which just, just came out. And that car starts at thirty-five. Yeah. The Crosstrek Wilderness starts at thirty-five. Three thousand more than a WRX. Yes, but you're not leaving the showroom even for less than forty, probably. Right. They're they're totally yeah. different cars, yeah, yeah. but it's like at that. I mean, it's it's almost. It highlights again what, how much value is in a WRX at thirty-two thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which I mean that 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 kind of makes it a crazy value, but then like the opposite end of the spectrum, like if this WRX TR is forty-eight. Like, oof, I don't know. Yeah, that's where it's really difficult for me in, like, thinking about this car is I don't necessarily appreciate the release for the car. I appreciate it for the parts more than anything yeah. else. Like, True. I'm excited that they're going to have all these things available, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like the small changes that they've made are worth that, like, 15... $16,000 potentially jump in price from a $32,000 base model WRX to whatever yeah. this TR ends up at. Because what's a big brake kit cost? Yeah, yeah exactly. And that is I significantly mean, better than any OEM Brembo. Well, I mean, these this being the, the, the six pistons, the 340 front, 328 millimeter rear kits, I mean, we, we've put these kits together you know, for people that wanted to put them on the previous WRX. And I think with, with the calipers, pads, rotors, and everything up front, it's like, was it $2,300, $2,400? Yeah, in the realm of like 3000 And called, then yeah. mm-hmm. the rears you being know. maybe 2000 mm-hmm. something in that ballpark. And then, I mean, coilovers is like really kind of the only other thing that they've well, sort let's, of let's, done. So <laughs> let's, let's call it, let's call it five grand for brakes. Mm-hmm. Coilovers, good set of coilovers, $2,000, so now we're at seven. Make a really good set. Make it five. Well, we're making a better than TR for cheaper than TR. Okay. That's what we're accidentally doing here, by the way. I, I think, sorry, sorry, well, sorry. No, I, I think, <laughs> but but this is this is the calculus that people are going to do, mm-hmm. right? The the biggest differences are going to be in the interior because so like with the Recaro seats, you can't just there, there's not a single part number for the Recaro seats. That's just not how it works. Now down the road, maybe some of these things will will hit the the secondary market and you can get them used for you know thousand two thousand dollars um but that's gonna that's gonna be a while and i don't think there's gonna be a lot of them out there um i mean you could go with aftermarket recaros but then that's an aftermarket seat is one of the best things you can do for driver comfort control performance and saving weight right yeah so it's you know i think that's a moot point unless you want the brand name and you want the stitching 
or whatever, and you want to go sit at Cars and Coffee. Or and, yeah. <laughs> I, I would I would kind of think that if you want the Cars in, in the level of interior, because with that with that fancy center console, I mean, I think that the is it the limited trim that gets that or something like that that mm-hmm. starts at like thirty eight. So then, if you want that fancy interior, the the TR if it's forty five ish thousand, it kind of makes yeah. sense versus like getting you know, just a, a regular limited and, and then putting stuff onto it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you just want value for money, getting a base WRX and just putting on the brakes and, and then doing a set of coilovers, I mean, you're, especially if it's 48000 for this car, I mean, you'd be like in about seven grand. So yeah. thirty nine, it's you're almost $10,000 difference mm-hmm. if, if you get the, the base. And if the power is exactly the same, which would you rather do? Yeah. Buy a GD. Well, and that's where that's where I think Subaru's got to decide. Like, do we want to sell these cars? Because see, if they price this car at say forty, which would not be completely crazy, because we just kind of walked through what the mm-hmm. cost of this was. You know, they're they're taking off a brake and they're replacing with the brake. So even the cost to Subaru was going to be less than what we just described. Um, and you know, we haven't had hands on them, but from what it seems, these Brembos are pretty much just the Type R A calipers that they already yeah. have. Yeah, you know, it's um, not like a new, uh, you know, groundbreaking caliper design that they've come up with. Um, which, which is a, it, it is a very good. It's the most yeah. capable brakes that so, have come come on a Subaru. It's tried, but it's proven, still not, but already there. <laughs> right, but it's still not as good as a fully, like a full track brake setup. Like if you if you really start aggressively tracking the car, you're prop. I mean. This will get you further than anything else that the SDA came with, but there's you're probably going to get a going to hit a point where either the cost of, of uh, pads is prohibitive, the life of the pads because they're so thin becomes prohibitive, or the cost of the rotors because it's this is this is especially on the stuff your X it's a it's a different hat height, so like the spacing of the rotor and the hat is different, so it's going to be. That's uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot shallower. It's dumb. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be a unique rotor, so there's not going to be a whole lot of choices for a bit. Um, hmm. so, I mean... It's a good GD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. I think from, like, my perspective as, like, the budget-conscious enthusiast, it, for me, makes a lot more sense to come at it from getting a more base model car, moving into the parts from the TR, which is yeah. awesome that they hopefully are going to have all of these available from the Subaru catalog. Yeah. Um, the other cool thing that I don't know that we touched on a bunch is the new steering rack in the TR is supposed to be tuned in some way, yeah. quicker ratio. Yeah. So it could be that, you know, this rack to the VA WRXs is as the 15 rack is to the older cars. I'm no, not sure if that's going to be the same or because not. The, because it's electronic assist, I don't think it's... It, it's an electric assist rack, and so I don't think it's going to be as easy to move into like the, the prior WRXs. Well, but I guess I'm also kind of alluding to maybe like a 2022 base yeah. model that yeah, doesn't yeah. have this upgraded steering rack from the TR. Um, so... Hopefully that will be another thing we can suss out and see if it is yeah. actually like quicker ratio or what well, it, what they've done. Yeah, I think with the electric motor is the assist. Like that's I wonder if it's actually physically even a different rack or if it's just how the electric motor assists is what is different. Because mm-hmm. um, if it's if it's how the electric motor behaves, then it would literally be like the programming of the rack that's different. Maybe not the physical rack or or probably just electric assist. Right, it's not electric rack. It's not a full electric. It's just it is full electric. Oh, it is. Yeah. Thanks. Get a GD. <laughs> well, I I like the rack in the new WRX. What it, what they did that's different is it's a dual pinion uh, rack. So your your steering wheel and in the steering column is still a direct physical connection to the rack. Okay. The electric motor's on the opposite side. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. That's, so it's so, not fully disconnected, is what no, I was getting. Okay. No. 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 That's, and that's what's interesting about this rack is that you have the assist. So like where it needs to be easy, it's easy. Where yeah. if, if you want the string to be heavier in feel. But they still can't make it faster with programming at that point. Because no. you still have a pinion that's moving. No. But yeah, yeah, that's I mean, what I wondered is, pinion. did they actually up the ratio like the 15 right. rack to the GDs? Or is it just tuning like we were right, just right. alluding to? And, but, but maybe it is. Because there's right. like, you know, the steering angle sensor is going to determine how the motor behaves. And that's where I wonder if you'd run into it's not going to be reverse compatible because it would screw up the programming for how the motor helps mm. out oh, yeah. 
I get what you're saying. But still, I'll say for cheaper, you can get a 12 and a half to one rack for a GD. True. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's it. There's there's so much potential in this chassis. It. I mean, I like that Subaru is kind of basically giving all the best stuff off the parts bin, you know, to it. But it's just if it was if this was forty thousand dollars, it would almost be a no brainer. Mm-hmm. But if it's if it's forty eight thousand dollars, then that's where like, geez, I just don't know. It, it it'll be interesting. It's going to be a very cool car. I mean, if if money is no object, is it the one to get? Sure, probably. But I mean, if money is no object. Money's kind of an object. Don't get a Subaru. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna yeah. say if money is no object at that price point. Right. There's a lot of things that you're gonna yeah. be shopping for. Yeah. There's a lot of cars that could probably mop the floor with that. Yeah, yeah. If you make a rally car, then yeah, there's probably not a better new off-the-shelf option right now. Yeah. For a four-wheel drive turbo rally car. Yeah. But for street stuff, yeah, get Audi. It'll be interesting. So, <laughs> I mean, there, there's been a lot of discussion about this car. I think what we need now is it just it, we need to know what price it is. We need to we need it to land and just kind of see what what the actual hands-on feel of it is. Like, get yeah. what what does it actually like to drive? Is it if you were going back to back between just a regular WRX and this TR? Is it like so different? Like that the driving feel is that much different? That like that sets it apart, you know, justifies you know whatever the difference is. Hopefully, yeah, I, it feels like a filler car to me. Yeah, this is part of the the two mindedness I have about it. Like yeah, cool, um, but <clears throat> it feels like a two year parts bin car while they work yeah. on something behind the scenes. And and the other the other thing that's interesting about this that is a slight bummer is that they did not come out with just like a track package. So the, mm. the previous WRX. If you wanted the Brembo's, you could just add the track package and get the Brembo brakes. So it was a, like you could add that to whatever WRX you wanted. Versus now you have to get this specific trim level, at least currently. And and I guess to be fair, we haven't seen the 2024 catalog yet. So maybe maybe this will be something. But because it's on this, maybe it will be a trim level that you can upgrade a base to. I mean, yeah, that would be the ideal for this release. I think for the budget conscious enthusiast yeah. is like if they offered all of these as add-in you know package options say you want the brakes and the ricardos or you know whatever you want to piece yeah. them together that would be the ideal if they just have the tr if you don't want to think you want everything this is the one if you don't want everything and you want to pick you know, spec out your yeah. your base model, and and maybe maybe that's coming. Maybe this is the twenty four, which is the release of the parts on the chassis, and then in twenty five, the TR is still there, but then now you have a track package, which is like just the brakes and maybe the upgraded suspension that you could put on a base. If you wait till twenty five, there will be that many fewer GDs out there floating it's around the used marketplace. That is true. So don't wait. I, I will and tell that you, many more GD parts will be discontinued. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now. Yeah. Continue factory support for the GD. Stop putting brakes yeah. on new chassis. Hashtag, yeah. save, Hashtag the save the GD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the real people's rally car. So, man, well, there was there was some interesting. It since you bring up the GD, we ran into some interesting parts that are discontinued for that car. What? I there was two of them. I were, I'm, I'm forgetting one, but the the crazy one. So our rally car. The new the new chassis no two WRX a GD. Um, if you have a rally car, the the front lower control arms are um, consumables basically. You you mm-hmm. hit things and they bend. Subaru has discontinued one of the WRX control arms. What do you mean one? Like one side? I think it's I, I want to say it's the right side That's is dumb. discontinued. This is a dumb thing. Now, now my hope just is. Made Tosin very sad. I know. Now, my, now my hope <laughs> yeah, is that maybe it's just going to be a, like a part super session or something, and it'll come back. Huh. But the the thing is, is that for a rally car, the WX arms are more ideal because they're steel versus the aluminum arms on the STI. Well, the reason <laughs> being is this: this is exactly what happened. So the the car that we had 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 aluminum arms on it. We hit something. And it and it got bent, so the the metal pin at the back got bent. Mm-hmm. So they the uh, the the roadside fix for that, the, the rally fix, is you take your tow rope out. Yeah, you can't pull them back out. Yeah, you yeah. put it around a tree, yeah. 
you, you, you do a couple of uh, reverses, mm -hmm. aggressive reverses to bend the thing back so you can at least drive sort of straight. And then you carry on on the stage, get through transit, get to the, you know, service and put a new control arm in. Uh, the guys tried to do that and shattered the, the arm in three yeah. places. Aluminum's not a big fan of that move. No. no. No, it'll bend once, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And then, it, then it's just shatter mm -hmm. time. Um, but so, like, the fact that Subaru's discontinued that arm, like, I, I hope it's going to come back. I hope mm -hmm. they're going to do something. But it's like, that's kind of wild. I think I yeah. still have some. So, $5,000 per arm. Right. And <laughs> just put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be I, like that Ollie Burroughs motorsport guy who starts squirreling a G, away all the GD parts. Yeah, all the right-sided lower control arms are mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, to be fair, the after, there's aftermarket parts available. Yeah, yeah, But it's just, like, that Subaru is doing that for this, this I mean, I'm, I'm going to call it a consumable part for people that are rallying the car, which is, like, so much of the heritage of this car. It's kind of... Yeah, that's a bit troublesome, yeah. but that's fine. I hope, I mean, I hope they're not going to do something with the left, but, I mean, signs kind of point that they're moving in that direction. Yeah, stop hitting stuff on that side. I, I remember what the other part was. This, this one was, I remember now because it was dumbfounding, the, the stock downpipe is now discontinued. Mm. Oh, that's right. We mm. did see that. I got one of those. $50,000. $50,000, yeah. I guess, I guess it's not so surprising, but at the same time, like, when you have a, a car where... It's now old enough, 20 years, where, like, you could run into a point where it legitimately yeah. would need to be replaced, and now you can't, and now there are states where Colorado, which is the case, California, so forth, where you have very limited options of what you could put on the car to keep it running, mm -hmm. and the factory option is, like, one of the top options, and now that that's discontinued, that's, uh, yeah. that's interesting. Now, my hope with that one... Is that like catalytic converter raw materials were, were just skyrocketing in cost for a while, but it seems like they've plateaued and they're they're coming back down again. So what I'm kind of hoping is that that it's gonna like the price is gonna come way down. Maybe they discontinued it because it was it was absurdly expensive, but now it's gonna be there's gonna yeah. be a much cheaper way to manufacture it and then it'll come back. But it's I mean there's there's we've talked about it on this podcast before about like some of the electrical components the the, the steering uh, not the steering the uh, wiper transmission that is kind of a known oh yeah failure right. point. Um, i had a customer reach out about a gd ecu and oh yeah they it's basically only what's in stock i think there are automatic ecus left in some warehouses and that's right. all they've got <laughs> right and they're so not they're not a, reproducing them there's a yeah. lot of stuff like that that's coming down the pipe decriminalized standalones <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any leg for the masses. Yeah. I mean it's I I I get I I get it. Like yeah. I, I can't say that it's surprising, but at the same time it's surprising. Yeah, 20-year-old cars now. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and I mean there's there's a lot of them on the road and so I mean there, there's going to be options mm -hmm. out there um for a good while, but it's just one of those things where like is a is a rally car. I mean it's like, mm -hmm. well, Got to like really kind of suss out yeah. how much how much is the of the aftermarket support is out there for like these lower control arms. I mean that's yeah. I think everybody's gonna secretly this is how Subaru is trying to get more competition. Now you have to run the new chassis mm. <laughs> if you want a rally it's, car. Ugh. Yeah, the ARA is behind all of this. Preston. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I don't know. It's I mean. It, you look at all of this, and it, and it's clear that Subaru's in a transitional period. Yeah, I mean yeah, they're yeah. they're they're tr they're looking down the road. They're trying to figure stuff out. They're trying to figure out what what direction they need to go in and what makes sense. But it's I mean, I, I can understand it on one hand in that like if you have all these twenty year old cars that you're still producing parts for. I mean there there's a cost to produce the part. You have to probably do reasonable size runs. You've got to store it somewhere for the initial production. Then you have to ship it literally across the world and then distribute it yeah. to all your warehouses and I, I think is they're they're realizing that they're moving to these new platforms where they just kind of want to move beyond all of the old parts so they can make room for the new parts so yeah what it makes me i'm sitting here thinking i'm kind of smiling to myself um because my first thought was yeah whatever but there's two kinds of people there's the folks that sit there kicking and screaming as the future happens to them and the yeah. folks that embrace what's coming right yeah and what I think to myself is, is something we've talked about. Like, there's no 
like core to the Subaru community anymore. You know, a little mm. bit. It's a little lost. It's, it's um, fractured a bit. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's yeah. It needs an adult. Um. um maybe this brings it back there. Um. Because really, we're in no worse a spot than the community was when it was getting going before flat sure. bills and vapes. Um, there was a core community for the WRX. It was hot rodders, right? Yeah. You know, it's you know yeah. maybe fuel injected, maybe a turbo four banger, but they're hot rodders. Um, yeah. And so maybe this brings the community back to the you know hot rodding roots, where it's all right. We can't get ECUs to work anymore, or we can't get ECUs mm -hmm. anymore. We can't get lower control arms anymore. Let's 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 support this aftermarket part. Let's uh, you know let's come up with this fix. Let's problem solve kind of stuff yeah. like that and. So maybe it helps kind of save us from the, the Honda-fication that Subarus had gone through for the last several years. Um, or puts us back in where Hondas are nowadays, which is very much a cool hot-rodding community, um, in my outside it's, opinion of the whole thing. So it puts yeah. us, it gets us out of 10-year-ago Honda, and we, we catch up to where Honda guys are now with like their, their core community kind of thing. Yeah. So we're, you're 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 100% right. We're at this we're at this point where like the the early 90s, early to mid 90s Hondas, which were some of the most desirable platforms, the Civic and the Integra, were 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And and the weird that weird spot is that like when a car is new, when the engine is new, whatever, the cost to the aftermarket to develop a part is really high because there's nothing out there. You you don't know what's going to work exactly. You don't know what's what's needed exactly. So there's a lot of research and development that has to go into figuring out even what parts you need to make. Then you have to figure out how to make them. Mm -hmm. Then you then you make them, you produce them, and things are expensive. The the example here that comes to mind is like Civic and Integra exhaust manifolds. Like there was a period where like the really good manifolds were I mean, this is, you know, in the early early aughts, if you will thousand twelve hundred dollars for a little Integra or a Civic Manifold or whatever because the companies that came out with those had to do a lot of research and development to, to build it, build it right, get it to work, you know, do the dyno back and forth like, okay, you're going to pick up this much power with our header. Mm -hmm. Like it really is like a tuned header. It really does work, does what, what it says. Then, but like that, that gets you for, through the first like couple of years mm -hmm. and then some other company sees that, like all of us, like... The eBay phase, the the Chinese knockoff phase. That's the, the problem. The will this fit my Honda phase. That's that's the difficult period, yeah. because then all of a sudden, like, all you have to do is see a picture of a thing, and you get 80, 85% mm -hmm. of the idea. Four bananas and a T4 flange, let's go. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so then everybody starts scrambling to duplicate it, and then, you know, they might, you might have three headers that all look the same. Mm -hmm quality of materials, the fibbing is not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. The end result is not going to be the same, mm -hmm. necessarily. But the cost is like literally a fraction by the end uh, of what it once was. I mean, I Comtech headers at one point were, I want to say it's like $1,200 for a header. And then like way at the end, like they, they'd stopped producing them for a long time. I, I had a conversation with with data contact and they're like, it just doesn't make any sense because it costs us so much to produce them. And then there's all these knockoffs that are, you know, I want to say like $250 at the time. And I think at the very, very end, it was like literally a hundred dollars to get a header that looked exactly like the Comtech header. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, yeah. Does it, how many people understand what the difference is for the really fancy developed high quality part mm -hmm. and are willing to spend that money on it? Plus, at the same time, in the background, the value of the cars is depreciating. Mm -hmm. The cars are getting older. The mileage is getting higher. The, the purchase price of the car is getting lower and lower and lower. I mean, there, there was a point where, you know, you could buy the Integra for two grand, and then how many people that bought the Integra for two grand would spend $1,200 on just the header? You know, because it's got quarter million miles on it and mm -hmm. all this sort of jazz. Like, that's, the, 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 right. doesn't make sense, you know. And, and it then... You get to the point about 10 years ago where those cars are 20 years old. Acura starts discontinuing a ton of parts. And then so like all, all the really fancy produced parts, those guys have largely stopped making them because it just doesn't make financial sense anymore. And then Honda stops producing things. And so then now all you're left with is the aftermarket and like a lot of the good quality options in the aftermarket have gone away. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of... 
we're starting to move into that zone with the GD chassis a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, I hope it doesn't go like... But look at what it's done with Hondas. They now have legendary motors, right? And some yeah. new legends, right? The, you know, K-Swap the World and stuff. Um, yeah. You know, maybe EJ-Swap the World is coming up. Um, because some of these motors have become legendary because they're so, in my opinion, so researched, yeah. so defined, um, so fine-tuned by certain folks that can do it. Not the cheap mm -hmm. folks, not the cheap you know, eBay parts, but, you know, like the, the Boosted Boys is, um, you know, for the Honda stuff up right, in right. Fort Lupton or wherever they're at up yeah. there. Um, you know, they, they have this thing down to such an art, and I think that there are EJ manufacturers or Subaru aftermarket parts houses that are getting down to that fine art place where where there's there's not a whole lot of unknown territory left for, for Subarus, especially some of the older chassis. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now you can b buy a book on how to build a if you still buy books on yeah. how to build a, a GC rally car that has all the tricks. Like, hey man, we've seen this failure in ninety eight right. out of a hundred GCs that we built, so maybe you should do this kind of thing, right. right? And so it's because it's a known path, you can start to fine tune that path. You're not having to branch out and do these big R and D costs on research. You're now doing the D part of the R and D right. where you're developing and fine tuning stuff. And it's, I mean, I'm. I'm excited about some of the stuff that we're doing with, um, like the new race car motor for, for our new car, because mm -hmm. it's, it's some of these things hopefully come into fruition and maybe we start getting, you know, K series levels of, um, you know, power reliability, all this kind of stuff, yeah. swappability, um, because as the OEM thins out, as the aftermarket becomes the only solution, then the like the the fluff yeah. floats to the top and gets swept away to the next cool thing that's going on. Well, well, well what happens right? is you get like once you get to that state, and then you get two or three years down the road, you mm -hmm. know, where where let's let's just say you don't really have any really good options or really high quality, highly developed, highly tested options. You you get into this point where like, well, I bought all these things, I have all the pieces of the puzzle, I'm putting it together. But it's not working like it should. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden, it starts to become apparent what the difference is, because you can you can get like the very cheap headers, the very cheap engine right. components, and stuff like that, but you're not getting the results right. that the guys were getting maybe seven, eight years ago with all these parts that were available at the time that were more expensive, mm -hmm. but are now discontinued because like that there is that difference. And then once once you hit that point and get through it for a handful of years that's exactly what you're describing all of a sudden it's like there's uh the trains a, crowd leaves, a right? new appreciation yeah. for the value of what was available right. when people were willing to spend twelve hundred dollars on a header right versus versus not. obviously that is also a little dependent on brands taking advantage yeah. of the research that's been done in the True. past right? right brands have to find a good footing you know, take advantage of this development yeah. and, you know, capitalize on it. And the hope is, yeah, we want them to do that. Like, we yeah. found some great companies that we work with now, and, you know, hopefully more going forward will yeah. provide aftermarket support for EJs and, you know, all of the different Subarus that we support. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's actually a topic that I've, it's been on my mind for forever. It, and it's something like if you work in this industry... It can't not be on your mind because what we just have discussed is always in the back of your mind. But how do you how do you approach it? Which is like the value of which component you buy. You know, the the thing the thing. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, but ah, where where you spend your dollars does matter because. Like like uh, all these Comtech is the example. If the whole through the whole progression of people modifying, you know, Hondas and Acuras and such, it was it was always understood what the value was in that header. That header would never have gone out of production. You know now. I mean it's it's it gets hard to a certain extent when there are you know other options out there that are close, maybe even equivalent, but for less, because the R&D wasn't, the R&D dollars weren't, didn't have to get spent. I mean, heck, I mean, Comtech by and large, or, I mean, it, it, 
actually kind of went under at one point and came back as CT Engineering, and now CT Engineering is largely gone because, like, that, that market you know, just eroded. If there was always an appreciation for the research and development that CompTech and CT Engineering did for that platform, and the dollars were spent with that manufacturer, they would, they would not have had likely as many issues staying afloat, keeping going, producing parts, and so forth. Yeah. So it's, I guess, probably don't want to go down too far in this road, but you really, like, where you spend your dollars does matter. Yeah. And spending with the companies that are doing the research and development, finding the solutions to these problems, producing the high-quality parts, even if there's a cheaper option that's like 80% is good, but if they're not the company that's doing the research and development, like, if, yeah. if you lose the company yeah. that's doing the R&D, that's a much bigger hit long-term to all of us as enthusiasts than if we lose the company that's not doing the R&D, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. But you can... You can stand in your grave yelling until you use the grave about how you should do a better job as a person, as sure. a people. Um, but it has to happen naturally. And yeah. I think it, yeah. it happens naturally when people don't have a choice and the tides just change, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there are folks now, you know, many of the most, if you've asked for, it's not forums anymore, on a Facebook group. Yeah. So if you ask for help on a Facebook group and you're met with, jaded responses that are pretty correct that mm -hmm. person probably has been sitting here for 10 years thinking to themselves i wish people would just respect where the r d came from um and now it's time to really start listening to those people because um, they're still yeah. there they're vetted they're they're in it um yeah so start appreciating those people and you will do a lot for the future of whatever industry or sport or car that you're into because then that's that's how you know that the, the what am I looking for? The fluff, the chaff, whatever yeah. is going to float off the top yeah. of this community here-ish, now-ish, right? Yeah. Um, and there will be probably dregs of the folks that are still trying to make their money, their quick their quick dime, and get yeah. out, right? Um, it, we're not over the hill yet, um, but but I think... Well, speak for yourself. Well, okay, <laughs> you got your old. Um, yeah. But, no. Um, to, to, yeah. To be but, fair. It, it's it's not a, a light switch that changes it's a it's a progression um and you know this isn't my primary industry um and stuff like that so i'm, I'm saying this all kind of from the outside looking in um but in my opinion we're, we're moving towards that progression now of like the the cool mature years of um you know the silver fox years of the subaru car mm. community and stuff like that and it's interesting kind of to bring this back that there is stuff like the tr happening yeah right um and it, it almost kind of i don't know what that is if that's like the just for men hint of gray or something like that um well, for the subaru community or or what this what i mean especially looking at electrification of stuff mm -hmm. um and stop bringing politics into electrification i don't care um this is the number yeah. one thing i still see like well you have to mine the stuff from china yeah i don't just stop no one cares it's not about yeah. that um it, it's moving there there's when we drove the the solterra like it was it was eye-opening in many ways mm -hmm. but the biggest the biggest eye-opener was how different it was mm -hmm. it just it just redefined what the driving experience could be in like going off road and, mm -hmm. and using a car off road. Like what is, what what the potential is there for using that kind of motivation in a chassis yeah. in that environment? Yeah. Like it's just it's it is completely different, which makes total sense because hey, it's completely different. Yeah. But like when when you realize like what what the benefits could be. I mean, it, I'll, I'm mm -hmm. I'm excited about it. I I I'm curious to see what can be done. I love my race car or my race cars, my yeah. internal combustion motors. I love yeah. my dirt bike. It's yeah. a two stroke. It's horrible for the environment. It's not about the environment. I, right. You know, I am a pro environment person, but right. I, this is not even a, a beginning of electrification. I'm going off on a, on a big rant, but here okay. it is. So, all right. I mean, I'm already kind of halfway through it. So, okay. you're good. You're already buckled in. Um, but if I see one more person posting a picture of a diesel generator next to an electric vehicle charging station, I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, cool. Thanks. Um, yeah, great meme. Um, sweet. Go run for office if you care that much. Stop posting to Facebook. 
go run for office and ban diesel generators or electric cars. I don't care which one, but just stop posting about it on Facebook. Um, it's not about that. Electric cars are cool, and they are where the industry is going right now. So mm. just get over it. If you don't want that, go start your car company and make a different and make a different one. It is what the community is, that the industry is going towards. Yeah. We've always been a minority as sports car people, performance enthusiasts. We've always been a minority of this community. Um, or of, of the automotive industry. Um, yeah. And so we can't compare what we're doing with what's going on. I am in no way endorsing or fighting electric cars or environmental stuff. I'm just saying that's not part of this conversation anymore. Well, um, I, I think what it comes back to is the enthusiast group. And, and really, if you, if you break it down, there's, there's two different enthusiast groups. Mm -hmm. And I think the position that Subaru's in, and all car manufacturers really at this point, short of something like Tesla, where there is no internal combustion history, there is no internal combustion enthusiast group, is you've got two people, you, you have two groups of people that you need to keep in mind and, and kind of make products to, to fit with what their wants are, what their needs are. And I think that on the electric side, Subaru has to kind of figure out what that looks like because honestly, I, I'm not sure what that looks like yet. But I think the key is, is you can't forget the other side of it and the internal combustion enthusiast group because there, there's a lot of cars out there. This is your this is your enthusiast group that's already established. By and large, they already have the cars. They have they have the stuff. They they have they have the enthusiasm. It's already there. It's not something new that needs to be to be you know like kind of fostered and, and developed. It's it's already there. And if you if you just completely ignore and move on, then that's where that's where you run a risk of like having this gap where like you lose all of a lot of the enthusiasm behind the brand. Who's you in this statement? The manufacturers. The manufacturers. Yeah. But they, I mean, in my, again, still my opinion, they abandoned the performance market a decade ago. Yeah. Right? It's, it's yeah. not because of electrification. It's because of the softening of the, uh, the consumer's wants, right? Mm. Um, once, once the SUV became the only type of car you could get, whether right. it's a crossover or an extra large or a large yeah. or a super mega, you yeah. only have SUVs as an option nowadays. Right. We're abandoned, right? And and then the retro, post-retro muscle car thing is neat, I guess, right? It's another horsepower war. The diesel trucks yeah. went through another horsepower war. But for a market, they, were, they weren't selling performance cars. They were selling um, stand-ins for your own virility, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's essentially a Viagra commercial. Is all you get. Every sure. every car manufacturer just sells Viagra now, um, and yeah. that's not. It. Um, for context, I'm tired, and I get more cynical when I'm tired. <laughs> so I take all of this, whatever, yeah. whatever green to salt yeah. you want. I'm not actually a negative person, um, well, but I do love talking trash, and it's you know I don't think the electrification of cars is the threat to the performance or the tuner market or the competition world or anything like that. It's the fact that the masses don't care and we're sitting in our little foxhole here yelling at the world for moving on past us. Kind of yeah. Thing, right. And it's, yeah. we should just be happy with our little foxhole here and be like, yeah, sick. It's, I mean, it's where it, it's, it leads to the positivity and the maturity in the tuner car culture. If we're like, mm. we are irrelevant. I accept that. But here's all this cool shit that we're doing in our irrelevance. Like we wouldn't have, yeah. I don't think, uh, emissions problems as much now in terms of having to like maintain compliance if we didn't make such a huff about like pay attention to us um, and instead we we're like just happy in our little corner of the world like Maybe. you know hey what's up consumers nice cup holders I see you got a bunch yeah um, <laughs> I'm gonna be over here making fart can noises with my with my fart cannon right like right. it's you know it's let's just let you know let us be us in our little world and stop trying to be the biggest deal you know maybe Dylan, you've been awful quiet. Yeah, what's I'm, uh, what's your thought? I'm ruminating. <laughs> this is right this is a hard one, and this is not what we had kind of. This is not the path that we had yeah. kind of planned. So go by WRXTR. Yeah. Yeah. I think right now we're like we've talked about. We're in a really interesting state where there's a lot of car enthusiasts that are still super attached to internal combustion engines yep. because of the kind of a. Uh, 
access that they provide, like the amount of research that people have done in the past, it's an, on internal combustion. It's a known quantity. Yeah, there's so many modifications yeah. you can do. There's so many ways to crack the ECU, figure out how to do these modifications to get the performance you want out of it. Yeah. Right now, I think, for me personally, as an enthusiast, the biggest hurdle into like being into electric cars isn't the power or the performance of them. It actually has to do with the you know manufacturer support for an enthusiast that wants to get that electric car. Yeah. Like for someone to have say like DCCD control on an electric car, you've got to be looking at like a really high level like model, a trim level model. Yes. And you know, we've seen yeah. some precedent for some aftermarket support coming into that now right. with like the Model 3s like what Tony right. brought in. Yeah. He had like a piggyback motor controller on yeah. his Model 3 so he could control the front and rear power bias yep. and stuff like that. Well, and, and the Model 3 and Model Y performance now has a track mode, which mm -hmm. gives you that. Yeah. So, like, there's this sort of coming of age with, like, the electronic enthusiast base, I think, that's maybe going to come down the line soon, where the manufacturers yeah. are going to realize, you know, we need to find a way to bring these internal combustion enthusiasts into this new era like how can we get someone who loves tuning their internal combustion engine to love tuning an electric car like it might not always translate but i think for me there are things that they could do to bridge that gap and say hey look like you can tinker with these parts of the electric car in ways that you could in the past and kind yeah. of bring people forward it, and it, that is one weird phase we're at right now yeah. it's like how are we going to do that? How is a Solterra or Subaru's next electric car going to excite yeah. someone that might buy a WRX or might buy that as a commuter car? So much of what we do as enthusiasts is is get the car to work a certain way, feel a certain way, or, or like handle a certain way, do a certain thing that we want it to do. And it's the ability to make that change and feel the benefit or, or, or really dial the car into what we want or what we expect that's where that's i mean i would i would say that that's probably the core driving force behind the majority of what we do i mean personalization and and customization and with electric cars yeah that's that's a big question um it's that's 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 one of the big things on my mind is like what are, what are, are, am I going to have any options or is it like you just have to magically find the thing, the new EV that is, checks all the boxes and, and that, because that's it, because you can't really fiddle with and tinker with this thing. Yeah. And I would agree that I, it feels like we are in this in between phase now, like you guys were talking about where these new cars they're releasing, they're kind of trying to appeal to enthusiasts in some ways, but then yeah. it falls short in a lot of ways for people who are like really at their heart, like a rally driver who wants to look at cars from that perspective of, well, how can I develop this into yeah. something I can compete with? Um, and yeah, now it's hard to have that mindset with some of the new electric chassis. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's part of why there's this sort of like, middle ground coming out with the new WRXs and all of that, the yeah. TR, but Could hopefully going forward, things just continue to grow. Well, and I think it's, to a certain extent, it's us as enthusiasts being clear with some of the manufacturers of what we're, what we're hoping for and what, what we, what we want, I mean, from these cars. And I mean, that's going to come down to what people buy. Certainly. Um, I mean, we vote with our wallets. Sometimes that's the most effective way to do it. Um, yeah, I just think the other thing, I guess, related to this that I, I just think is worth saying is that I think car manufacturers specifically really obsess on new cars sold. They, they just they zero in on new cars that are sold. And it's almost like they forget that, hey, you make parts for cars and you sell parts too. I, I mean, maybe maybe the money that's made on parts sales is not what it is on selling cars. Yeah, I guess it's nowhere near, right? Well, maybe, but but honestly, maybe not. I mean, like if maybe not for a specific model or for a specific part, but I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, Service packages probably is where they make their big money, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> I guess the point is is that like every Subaru part that we sell, I mean, even down to a one dollar bolt, you got to figure Subaru's making something on that. How many how many bolts are sold across the country, across the world in a given year? There's got to be there, there's got to be something there, and it it just seems like when especially when they're starting to really discontinue critical parts that keep these platforms usable and running, that I mean, and guess maybe because we're in Colorado, we see so many of these cars that are still on the road. But it seems like well, you're kind of ensuring that the number of those cars that are on the road is going to dwindle down to the point where. You're, you're kind of forcing them into a newer platform or a brand new platform mm -hmm. and then just carry it on from there. That's sort of where I'm making my argument that we need to stop. Like the manufacturer doesn't care. And I think they're, it's fair for them not to care. That's capitalism in action, right? Yeah. Um, and we should stop yelling at them to care about us because they're not gonna, right? Well, so it's, well maybe, because I think there's a couple of, I want to say BMW still makes a lot of old parts. Now, I think the delay in availability, it gets significant, and maybe the cost goes up. Mm -hmm. But, like, So I brands know. I can think of that that just kind of spurred up would be, yeah. like, uh, like Dodge's support of their older cars. Yeah. I, I don't know how much you guys have looked into this. My mom has an old Dodge van that she's trying to build. And, like, a lot of what some of the domestic manufacturers are doing with these classic brands is just bringing a modern take to that. Like they offer these modern packages where yeah. they've got a crate motor, a transmission, everything is set up from the factory in the way, the new configuration, you know, it's got the newer V8, but it fits in the old setup. Right. So you can retrofit and have this, you know, arrive and drive or whatever they want to call them package yeah. that, you know, basically you know, we have an EJ25 STI package, like crate motor transmission. It'll fit right in and run itself in any old GDWRX. Like, I can right. see a future where maybe Subaru has some mm -hmm. kind of package like this, but yeah. it's a long road to get to something like that. And I know, yeah. like you were talking about with hot rodders and, and old domestic cars, like there has been that sort of coming around where... There was a ton of support at first. Things petered off. Yeah, yeah. Then the aftermarket came back around, and with the aftermarket showing that there's that precedent for these parts, some of these domestic companies have come back around and said, "Hey, you know yeah. what? We should release a, a motor trans combo that yeah. can go back in some of these old cars that yeah. people care about because we want to support that." I wonder how much of that is just an evolution of the crate motor concept, which has been around for a millennia. Yeah. True, but in Subaru yeah. doesn't really have much like that. Like no, but but the thing that they have is the architecture that could utilize it. Mm -hmm. Because like it's this true. is where like engine swaps and all this stuff. The Lego. Yeah, Subaru's yeah. Legos. They yeah. like they've been using the same motor mounts for so long that like you could make all right. Well, if, if it has to be a direct injected engine to hit emission standards, whatever. I mean, there's no reason they couldn't put the ECU on the engine like a lot of these cray motors so that it literally would just drop in, you plug it in, and like, hey, you now have an updated, direct-injected GDWRX. Yeah. Oh, I wonder how much uh, of the tying in of the wiring, because a lot of older yeah. American cars have separate engine management versus vehicle management kind of stuff, if mm -hmm. they have vehicle management at all or, or something like that. You know, yeah. I wonder if it's more complicated... Or if I'm just getting into the weeds on a general concept that is I mean, a yeah. concept. It, yeah. it is, there's a lot to think about with that, you know. Yeah. It would be really cool to see something of that nature with Subarus. Like, yeah. hey, we're discontinuing the parts on these GD chassis, but you know what? If you have this car and you need to restore it, we have a you know, 2018 STI drivetrain equivalent that has everything. And it's got yeah. emissions compliant like gear, and you can just hook it up and... You know, we've proved to the government that this is a better yeah. emission standard than the one that was originally in the car. And, you know, in Australia, like, there's huge precedent for that. And, like, what Mighty Car Mods did with putting the new SCI chassis, like, mm -hmm. drivetrain into the Lavorg and all right, that stuff. Right. Like, 
they've yeah. found ways where it's legal for that car to be emissions compliant right, there. Right, yeah. the thing, imagine if Subaru had factory support for something yeah. like that. The thing where I grew up in California and in like four-wheel drives and trucks and stuff is you could motor swap a car and have it be emissions legal as long as it met the emissions requirement of the more uh, more tight the newer vehicle. vehicle the yeah. newer, you know, nine times, ten times out of ten, the newer vehicles with the tighter emissions requirements. Yep. So, yep. so like LS the world happened. Right, right. Um, where everyone just slapped LSs and old stuff, and you know, I wonder yeah. if even that's some of the motivation for Mopar doing stuff like this. Oh, um, totally. Is they're like, well, shit, if we don't sell something, they're just gonna start putting GM parts in their old Mopars, right? And so like, yeah. we gotta get our toes in this water too, hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I've seen packages from both to that effect, yeah. where GM is doing, you know, LSs with automatics or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mopar's doing the same. Um, it would yeah. be really cool if Subaru could find the precedent for that in our markets to it's a build something like that. Much smaller manufacturer in a much smaller market, right? Right, so and that's, and that's, the, that's the biggest challenge. I mean, there's a hundred Mopar guys out there for every four Subaru guys, you know, at any at any time, probably. Yeah, probably true. Rough number. That's, <laughs> that's based on extensive research, so yeah. that's proprietary. Um, yeah, well, and I mean... The, the suspension components, and I guess it's, maybe they know that there's enough aftermarket support that they just don't need to keep making it, and maybe they've seen that, like, the, the sales number have just dwindled to the point where, like, I mean, heck, rally guys, if you're going through, I mean, gosh, we, I think we try and have at least two of each control arm as spares when we go out, maybe three of each. You know, if, if you're trying, if you're not just trying to buy a control arm, you're trying to buy six you know, finding an aftermarket control arm that's like fifty, seventy-five, a hundred dollars less expensive than OE. Well, maybe that's what most of the rally teams are doing. Maybe they're yeah. just seeing their their numbers dwindle to the point where, where I just let the OEs have it or the aftermarket have it on that one. Yeah. But it's. I think I would hope that Subaru's paying attention, and if if ever the aftermarket drops the ball, that they will come back, and and make some stuff available. But I don't know. This doesn't make sense or not. Think about the SVX here. How much stuff is just not available for that for that car, that engine anymore? I mean, there are people that love them. I mean, Jeremy, our you know, our friend, friend of the shop, has got one and, and and loves that car. Has done a lot of stuff to that car, but it's just bananas how much more, how many more parts just keep making it so much more of a challenge to just keep that thing running. So, Joy, yeah. you got a bunch of spares, right? A bunch of spare cars. I think I think he does. I think he does. But yeah. but I mean it's like, that's I mean, if you push your enthusiasts group to that point where you have to have three SVXs so you can keep one of them running, I mean that kind of changes the game a little bit. Going on a little bit here, we should probably wrap this up. How do we how do we wrap this this conversation up? I guess, I guess it's where where the frustration comes for me is that I still love my old Subaru. I'm still passionate about the platform. I don't want to see. I don't want to see these cool cars go away. Mm-hmm. And I guess it would be nice, like Subaru still brings out so many of these old cars to like SubiFest, where they where they revealed uh, where they revealed the WXTR. They brought out the 22B, and I, I, they had an S202, you know, the Bug Eye yeah, S series. Bucky Elastic's like Betty car was there. The yeah. GR like rally yeah. car that he's mm-hmm. in. Subaru, you know that we love these old cars. Make sure that we can still keep them running, and that if there's ever some part that uh, that goes unavailable, you guys got to come back out with it or give us some kind of an option to keep these cars on the road because that's in, in a lot of ways giving us as enthusiasts the ability to still keep these cars going. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge part of what keeps us going. You know, I mean, Subaru. I'm looking at you here for all these old cars, like the 90s WRXs and STIs that, that some enthusiasts are now finally able to import, like their dream STI. They wanted a version 2 STI, and you can actually get it now. But there's so many parts for those cars that are discontinued. Subaru, you got to just keep an eye on the things that are critical and bring it back. You know, just make sure that we can keep these cars running. Stop yeah. bolting brakes to your land yacht WRX and stop... I'm fine with that. Keep Stop doing discontinuing that. old parts. I'd say, know. you know, at I'm least the idea of the WRX-TR means that they see 
there are enthusiasts who care about these things yeah. and they're trying to bring that into the new era. Like that's my take from it is yeah. There there is a silver lining in everything, you know. It is a little lackluster. It could have an SCI transmission, but it doesn't. But you know, it's something. They're showing that hey, we hear you. And we're trying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe the door is still open. I, I hope the door is still open. But if not, mm. My cynical just-got-off-work brain is sitting here thinking they're just trying to sell brake parts at a markup by putting them on a car. Well, and, and to be and fair, to it means that we'll be able to get those parts and make them available. So if yeah. you get your base WRX and you want the TR Brembos, there's there's hopefully going to be an option for that. Just release the electric STI. Yeah. Let me have one to make into a hill climb car. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, make it not suck. Yeah, the new yeah. STI EV concept. Uh, Just send one right to Tasso. I'll, He'll I'll tell you one. what you need. <laughs> I'll take one. I'll run it for a couple years. Yeah. Um, Set some records. I'll run my diesel generator to charge it just to keep everybody happy. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, we'll see what happens from there. Yep. I like it. Okay. So the new the new STI Solterra has got to be a fast like. Is it a Solterra? I was making that joke. It's not. No, a Solterra, no they're they're, they're they, that's what they've announced that there no. is going to be a, a Solterra STI. Oh, I think <laughs> well, which is like, it'll it'll give be it like the Forester Sport. Whatever. It'll have no. some red trim on it. It'll be great, uh, guys. <laughs> don't do that. Just give give us as enthusiasts like, give it more than two hundred horsepower. Mm. Put in swap out the motors. Give it like five hundred horsepower. And, and make it do 0 to 60 and like, I'm not going to be greedy, like 3.8 seconds. Compete with the Ionic 5N, yeah. you know, yeah. throw, something, throw something, throw something back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. just stop That's doing all... that and just start making more control arms for old cars. <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah. Subaru hasn't made yeah. a good car since 2007. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. I told you I'm fired up. You're fired up. That's all if right. If you are out there right now and you feel like I haven't offended you yet, please comment below about what you care about, and I'll get it. I'll get it next next podcast. So we'll work just, it in. But, but if you're if you're still listening and, and if you think Tasso's fired up, just hashtag get Tasso coffee. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, I had so much already. Yeah. There's there's not enough more. coffee in the I'm world. I'm gonna go back and keep building my old ass rally car. That's right. So. Just rail at the world by building an old rally car. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, so if you've got any thoughts, let us know what you think in the comments. Are we right on this? Are we wrong on this? Is Are EVs the future? Or or are GD control arms the future? You just let us know. Which, which camp are you in? EVs or GD or control arms? are you a nihilist and there is no future? Have fun with your car while you still can. Or that. Like... Control arms, EVs, or nihilism. Mm-hmm. These are these are the three choices we have. So, thanks very much for listening. Thanks for your support as always. Make sure you follow Tasso on OTC Racing on, on all the social medias. They're all going to unfollow right now. <laughs> well, well, because you got you got spoilers, but you got your car back. Yeah, like, yeah. Production so, is happening. Yeah, yeah, cynicism aside, I love all you guys and all these cars and um, everything's good. And I'm working on my car, so that's exciting. Yeah, um, there will be news soon. Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's constant updates Plan. at this point because it's it's back in back in the workshop. So it's yeah. uh, I'm that's that's a huge problem. Tinkering. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. go back, make some new pin stands this afternoon. All right, and sweet. Put it in the air and put a bunch of spacers on my wheels and try and figure out how to fit ET15 on a stock uh, stock fender. I think the answer is uh, it's not gonna work. Hammer duct tape. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> the diagnostic yes. hammer uh, yeah. will be your friend. Uh, start with step one and then ignore step two. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your support as always. And until next time, stay tuned to the Flatirons Tuning. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the Flatirons Syndicate Motorsports Podcast. Once again, we'd like to let you know that your support is what makes this show possible. Be sure to check out our online store at flatironstuning.com for any of your aftermarket or OEM Subaru parts needs. And as always, stay tuned with Flatirons Tuning.